Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is my co-host Larry Garner on the other side of Atlanta in Adairsville. And we got our fabulous producer Wayne Ridenauer in wonderful Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, of course, Apple and Spotify. Personal Twitters or X at JJ Get You One for myself at RWY Junior for Wayne at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter, who is out at an umpire meeting getting ready for the fall baseball season. And at LG for real though, who is Right down there in the bottom, you know, whatever on YouTube, wherever you guys are. But LG for real though for Larry. Larry, how you doing tonight, man? Man, doing very well. It's been a minute since I've been able to be on with you guys with uh, Rome's schedule dwindling down to an end with one more week to go in the regular season. But uh, everything is well up here in Northwest Georgia. Glad to be on with you guys again. I feel like it's been a minute, but I'm looking forward to tonight's show and, and having a lot of fun talking about some football. Yeah. Hey, Larry, you know, my, my mom's going to be glad you're back because she said she was missing seeing you. Oh, tell mom we said hello and, and All right. you on too. All right. Wayne, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm ready for some football, man. I, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I've held out as long as I can. And it's, uh, I, you know, it's already started a little bit, but I'm ready for the full schedule to kick in. Yeah, week zero kicked off last week. Couple big time schools played Notre Dame, USC. Uh, both looked very good against uh, inferior opponents, but we can get into that later on down the road. I'm doing great. Not as well as Ronald Acuna Jr., though. Not only did he play off two fans tackling him mid game, on his next home run, he will be the first Major League Baseball player to ever hit 30 home runs and steal 60 bases in a season. Hats off to Ronald Acuna Jr. In my opinion, the MVP, the race is getting pretty close here at the end of the regular season. Betts and Freddie Freeman have maybe just a little bit of say in that. What's on tap for today's show? We break down week one with various topics surrounding college football. And the pick six is back. And Larry gets to get in on the hot seat early. We go against the spreads, Larry. Get, get ready. It's not easy. <laughs> my way. No, I can't. Larry should be ready. Larry should be ready to win because um, I think the three of us have all won one, and so we've only been on three years. This would be like the fourth year, and so Larry, it's your time to win. Man. Hey, love- this is uh, this is the third year we've kept score. So right. Wayne. According according to the tally book, you and I are the only winners, buddy. Uh, are you sure Todd hadn't won one? No. Nope. Well, we did it one year prior to that, and I, I won it. So technically, okay. I'm two and one, but uh, we didn't keep track. We didn't we okay. didn't see who actually won it, uh, except for like at the end of the year, we kind of okay. tallied it up. But we we kept track for this is now will be the third consecutive year. We'll keep track of that, and we'll have some fun. But again, week zero is behind us, and the real deal starts this weekend. Some teams are expected to be back to their old ways. This season, like Texas, Florida State, maybe Texas A&M gets there. Who makes it back to prominence this year? And that could be a dark horse type deal. It could be someone that slipped off over the last couple of years, like Alabama. This really can include anyone who you don't think 
has been up to that standard, and they're going to get back to that standard this year. Larry, we'll start it with you, man. Mine is simple and easy, and, and you mentioned the last one, and they're actually my pick to make it out of the West to the SEC championship game, and that is the Texas A&M Aggies. And we say it all the time, J.J., when is the man, the myth, the legend, Jimbo Fisher, going to get his team to play up to the standards that he thinks his team should be? And I think this year is going to be the year that they get back to prominence because of one hire, and I know people in the South are going to cringe when I say this name, but the man is an offensive genius, and that is the person in Bobby Petrino. And I think he is going to have Texas A&M's offense on a level to where it can compete with the likes of the LSUs, compete with the likes of the Alabamas and everyone else coming on the scene in the SEC West. Do not be surprised to see the Texas A&M Aggies versus the Georgia Bulldogs at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on the first Saturday in December because Jimbo has got the boys ready to play. Yeah. You know, it's really hard for me to get behind Petrino because I'm such an Atlanta Falcons fan. And uh, if they can keep him off the motorcycle, they'll be all right. And yeah, amongst <laughs> other things. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't hate the Texas A&M pick, uh, Larry. I really don't. I, I think Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. I mean, he's one of the few handful of coaches with an active national championship under his belt with Jameis Winston at Florida State. So we know the guy can coach. Um, he's he's got some playmakers on the outside and Smith, Thomas, and Stewart. Uh, they return a pretty solid offensive line. They figured out their quarterback sit- situation with Connor Wegman. Uh, I, I I'm excited to see what this offense does. It, they they have Daniels in the backfield. Fun fun team to watch. They really played well down the stretch at the end of last year. They beat LSU. And an eye opener, and that maybe, hopefully, is the turning point of Jimbo Fisher's career over there in College Station. I I agree. I think Texas A and M's on one of those. Uh, I I don't know if they win the West. I I still have. I, I'm picking Alabama to win the West. I'm not going to go against Nick Saban yet until the guy's either retired or has proven to me that it won't. He won't win out there. But I, I don't disagree with the pick one bit because of the the recruiting classes that Jimbo Fisher has had and the talent that's out there. If he just puts those two things together, I think Petrino could be the key. He's an offensive mastermind. I really like to pick my other two schools. I had Texas A&M in there. Texas is in the same situation. Sarkeesian's back. Lynn Ewers uh, beat out Arch Manning, the almighty recruit coming in. Texas is a pretty stout schedule this season. Obviously, they go to Tuscaloosa this year. We'll see what happens there. But another team for me to get back to winning ways, and 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 I say, remember, Steve Spurrier had South Carolina where he won 33 games in three years and went 11-1 and won three straight seasons. And I, I think South Carolina and Shane Beamer could get back to that level of prominence where they're winning eight, nine, ten games and competing for the SEC East title. Uh, right off the bat, they got Georgia in their first conference game of week three. And so I'm excited to see what happens with Shane Beamer and, and Spencer Rattler and Bell out there wide. Uh, another team to look out for me is to get back to their winning ways is we've kind of forgotten about Clemson. For the last two years, they haven't made the college football playoff. Here comes Dabo Sweeney, got his quarterback. He got some playmakers on the outside. 
You got Will Shipley in the backfield. I think Dabo Sweeney's going to make a stab at this thing, folks, and, 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 and say, hey, remember, we're Clemson, and we made the playoffs six or seven straight years with guys like Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, uh, all the receivers that are pro right now. I think they got like 36 active pros way up there, so they have history. I think Dabo Sweeney gets back to that prominence. What, what, the, what say you, man? Give me one or two teams. Maybe if it's just one, who you think gets back to prominence this year? And I could throw Tennessee in that mix. Again, you could throw Alabama in that mix. They had a subpar season last year, 10-2. and two? That's not Nick Saban's specialty. We're using to see them in the in the West title game, so the championship game. So anything goes here, Wayne. What, what say you? I got three teams that I think are going to come back to uh, somewhat uh, prominence. One is is more or less there. But um, I think one of the teams that uh, is going to make a comeback is Tennessee because their their program is really skyrocketing right at this moment. Uh, as far as the ACC goes, you know, I've been pushing Miami this whole time. It's about time that they came back and started dominating that conference. And the other, <laughs> the other one would be uh, Washington uh, over there in what uh, is at this moment the Pac-12, I guess, but uh, those are the three teams that I would say uh, are on their way back to prominence. I like the Washington pick. Larry, what say you about Washington? You think Washington gets back to uh, all the who, – who took him to the playoffs? I forget. Former Boise State coach. He's slipping my mind. Peterson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Washington? They, they got Penix Jr. back. Washington is in, in – in, I hate to say in a, in a pickle because – the team that's favored from from that area that'll, that'll eventually be Big Ten members is USC, but they've probably got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And most of us, we all know that between the QB spot and on the outside, because people don't, they don't, they'll never remember this name. The only reason I remember this name is because he was being compared to Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. But Roma Dunze, big time wide receiver from Washington is a stud playmaker. And when you got that, that just like what uh, Ohio State had last year with that one-two punch on the outside, speed kills, you know, and to have as as great a weapon as he's got, um, hey, Michael Penix is the real deal, you know. Yeah. So, he's, he's, he's from down there South Florida, isn't he? I think so, but yeah. I, just, I just know if – if he isn't one, two, or three in this upcoming NFL draft, it, it would be a shock for me. Um, but bes- besides Rome, you got the the other All-American on the other side, Jalen McMillan. You know, so Washington's offense is legit. It's the defense that they're going to have problems with. It's like most Pac-12 schools can put up a lot of points, but they can't stop anybody. Yeah, so that's the way Memphis is. You know, they'll score points up and down the field keep up with and it ends up being whoever's got the ball at the last of the game. Yeah. So um Washington they have they have is just as as good as an opportunity of anybody else. But they're 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 one thorn well and I'll even give you two because Dan Lanning is gonna make sure Oregon is back in the game too. So those are the two schools they're gonna have to really look look to to keep off if they're gonna get to a potential title game and what they hope for is a playoff appearance and their chances are just as much as anybody. Cause if you got a, a stud QB, anything can happen. And you know that just as well as I do, JJ. Yeah. 
I, I still, anytime I think of Oregon, I still think of their track team. I don't know why they're, it, that seems to be the, and it may be because of, uh, pro, what was his name? Profontaine or something like that used to uh, go to school there. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard to say because I can't even remember the last Pac-12 team that made the college football playoffs since its inception. And I don't think there's actually been it's one. Just Washington. Just Washington, right? The team that yep. was uh, with the QB that transferred from Georgia, right? Uh, uh, they, they won it with, uh, oh, what's that quarterback's no. name? No, uh, Easton was on the, was a backup to him. Um, oh, Todd would remember the guy's name. Short, shorter fellow, had a great arm. Yeah. Uh, was it Will yeah. Brown? Was it Browning? Uh, Man. now I got to look this up. Wayne, <laughs> if you get a chance, look that up for me. About, that'd be about 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I can't remember, but. But Kalen DeBoer is going to have a pretty good squad up there. You mentioned the, the wide receivers on the outside. I do think Washington could get back to, to prominence from, from the Jake Locker days and the Sarkeesian days and, and even earlier in that in the 90s. It's going to be fun to look out for. I think, again, I mentioned Tennessee. They got back to 11 wins last year with the bull win. Um, I, I a big bowl win against Clemson. So I, I think Tennessee could keep that momentum going up. It's, it's wide open. I think NIL is finally starting to trickle down and uh, make things more balanced in college football. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our secondary topic. It is about these Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia has a chance to accomplish something 13 teams have tried. Zero have done. That's three, Pete. What percentage would you put on dogs winning a third consecutive national title? I'll start this one off. Look, I'll, I'll say the chances are pretty high. I, I mean, I'm picking them to win it all again. The schedule's manageable. I'm going to say 40% to answer the question. I think it's very high. Uh, and, and I'll say this. Here's the, 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 the big reason why. 13 returning starters. Most of them are on defense. And most of those names, you look across the board, Ladd McConkey, Brock Bowers, these are guys, Jamon Dumas Johnson, these are guys that are all SEC, all Americans. So 66% of the defensive production from last year's team is back. And I just mentioned that schedule. Out out of conference, uh, right now it's looking like a cakewalk. The toughest opponent's going to be Georgia Tech. And then you have tough road games in Knoxville, at Auburn, but Ole Miss is at home. South Carolina's at home early in the year. I just like the way the schedule lines up for Georgia. I'm never going to say it's an easy schedule. Sure, it's easy out of conference schedule, no doubt about it. But last year, we said the same thing about Georgia. Oh, look at their schedule. It's pretty soft. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you look at the end of the run, Georgia played five or six teams that they were all that they all beat, obviously, undefeated, that ended up being ranked at the end of the season last year. So the schedule will change from week to week, and it will look better at times and look worse at times. But I think at the end of it, Georgia has a pretty manageable schedule. They'll probably get four or five ranked wins in there because I think South Carolina will be ranked. I think Auburn could be a top 25 team by the end of the season. Tennessee will be there. I think Ole Miss will be there. So that's four. And then 
I honestly think you could see a team like uh, Missouri or Kentucky jump up in there as well. So, again, that could just be four or five ranked wins, and that, to me, will be a tough enough schedule late in the season. But, again, looking at it right now, three-peat chances, 40%. That's my answer. Uh, Wayne, what say you, man? Then we'll go to Larry. All right. I was looking up Jake Browning information. and uh, Jake Browning. That's yeah. it. I, uh, I knew it was something, uh, Browning. Yeah, and I missed the question. So now you got to re-ask the question. Give me a percent chance. Put a number on it. The dog's three-peat, Wayne. I'm going to go with uh, 45. Ooh, higher than me. Yeah. No, I, I'm 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 giving them that because, you know, South Carolina and Tennessee both could uh, stub their toe along the way and make it easy for Georgia to just jump right in there. Larry, questions posed to you, my friend. Are you as high as Larry and I, uh, as Wayne and I are? Todd Todd gives them almost zero chance because he says it won't happen. But uh, like I said, thirteen teams have tried. You've had Alabama in the forties and the sixties. Uh, Nebraska in the 90s, Alabama in the late 2000, uh, early 2010s, you know, and, and you look back on history, Larry, and uh, I'll let you think of your answer real quick. A lot of these teams probably should have three-peated, but because of pollsters and human error, because there was a Notre Dame three-peat in there, no doubt about it, and they were just like, or, or excuse me, it was Alabama three-peated. And they gave it to Notre Dame simply because most of the voters were in the North. <laughs> so there, there are there are literally things like that that go into college football history that you have to think about. That maybe some of these teams could have actually repeated. Nebraska kind of did it because they split in '97. So there's a lot of uh, underlying factors in this, but this will be this will be the first real chance at a undisputed repeat. Larry, what are your thoughts? Uh, percentage chances. I'm going to give them 25%, one out of four, because I do believe that they will make the college football playoff. So right. I'm going to give them one out of four. Uh, and the only reason I give them that much is is because given their schedule, I mean, I know we're trying to be, you know, the, the analyst of the group and whatnot, but it's a cakewalk. It's <laughs> literally a cakewalk, you know. Only two opponents in the whole schedule only have preseason rankings, and that's Ole Miss and Tennessee. I mean, if you want to talk yourself into just standard rivalry games against South Carolina because we've been here the whole time and we've seen how South Carolina always plays UGA, how we've seen Kentucky play them recently in the past years, and, of course, the the good old-fashioned, what we like to refer to as the, the cocktail party in Florida. Yeah. And, and Georgia's better than all of them. So they should they should easily get to – Atlanta, and I think they can beat Alabama, LSU, or Texas A&M. So now you're putting yourself in the college football playoff. Well, who do you think is going to be there? Well, you got to think Ohio State or Michigan is going to be there. You got to figure out you probably U.S. And I know it's going to sound crazy. You got to figure USC is in there. You know, and the guy shaking y'all head at me. <laughs> oh, but, no. But, Your defense is pretty bad, Larry. Well, it is. Right. It is. They go unbeaten. They're there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the same reason, because there's really no competition out there to, for them to go against. So I give them 25% for that reason. And I saw what Ohio State did to them last year. And 
their secondary to me is the weakest aspect of that entire team. And not only that, but you're you're transitioning defense. I mean, you're transitioning offensive coordinators from Monk into Bobo, quarterbacks from Bent, from Stetson Bennett to Carson Beck. So you got two totally different scenarios going on all at the same time. And then you've got a team that's won it twice and may not necessarily be able to be motivated by Kirby the same way the teams that's won back to back has. So you take all of those factors and you and you essentially say, well. We're good enough just on talent alone to make it to the SEC championship game. So I give them 25% only on those merits alone. I like it. I really do. And to go back to your USC point, I think the Pac-12 is the deepest it's been in years. But but overall, you're right. Looking on paper, you think USC with Caleb Williams and that offense should have a pretty good shot at going 12-0 and and uh, 9-0 and in that conference. We'll, we'll, we'll see as time goes on. And like I said, Georgia's schedule will fluctuate throughout the season. At some point in the season, it could look really good. Or at the end of the season, we could go back and go, well, we told you so. They're 12-0 and for a reason. So uh, I like the numbers. I do. I, I, I like all of our numbers there. We all answered the question thoroughly. Uh, let's go talk about Alabama and Nick Saban. Um, very eye-opening because Nick Saban hasn't done this in the past. He's been pretty transparent with the media about, about maybe not about a certain position battle, but he will usually give the depth chart prior to week one. He hasn't this year. The Alabama football program will be doing something a little different this season, not giving out a depth chart the Monday before the season opener. Larry, Wayne, your thoughts on this? Uh, I'll go. We'll, we'll go. We'll go. Larry first. Tee it off, man. Your thoughts on Nick Saban not helping the local media out? No, Nick Saban is going to be Nick Saban. He is the literal taskmaster when it comes to playing mind games with not only the media but uh, other teams in in the SEC. It, it, the The point still matters that Bryce Young is gone. The best defensive player in the nation and Will Anderson is gone. It really doesn't matter what your depth chart looks like, no matter what you try to hide. Everybody knows Alabama football is going to be Alabama football. So regardless of what you try to hide from the media so that somebody can try to get a little bit of, uh, of a, an edge scouting your team, the reality is simply this. Nick Saban's going to have his team ready to play. He's going to have them lined up, and whoever runs out of the tunnel, first game, Everybody will get to see it. All the games will be over with, and Nick Saban will still think that something's wrong with his team. So <laughs> the reason he is as great as he has been is because he, he he refuses to believe that his team is elite. He just refuses to believe it. And so because he refuses to believe it, he treats his team I, – God, I imagine he probably treats his coaches the same way – but he treats everybody like <laughs> they have finished last in the SEC the last 20 years. His job is on the line. He's got a family to feed and no money. He goes to work every day. Like, it's, 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 he's, he's on the hot seat every day. And because of that, it's almost like what I call the Mamba mentality from Kobe Bryant, man. It's, it's, it's laser-focused. I don't want to play no games. I'm going to always play the, the, the I'm the victim card. But you know, just as well as I do, J.J. and Wayne, he is stewing over the comment that David Pollock made to him on national TV during the national championship game where David Pollock looked him in the eye and say, Georgia owns the yard now. 
<laughs> and he could not do anything but sit there and swallow it. And I bet you <laughs> he has played that in his $16 million house on his Bose home movie theater system enough to work. Jupiter, Florida? <laughs> When he closes his eyes, he hears it in his sleep over and over again. This is just standard Nick Saban practice, and it's just a news story to give the media something to talk about until Bama kicks off, um, and and then we'll go about our business as we do as college football-loving fans and sports analysts. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a funny story, too. Uh, everybody, uh, Tim Brando, who we've had on this show, great guy, made a big deal of it, and I, I think it is. Yes, yes, I see it from both sides. I'm on the fence here. Um, the Alabama, the, the the institution, the university, whichever you want to call it, is is kind of as release statements saying like, hey, look what just happened with our baseball program with, with some information. You know, coach took the information, had someone go bet on it in Ohio sports book and, and bet on it against their team. So, you're you're talking about information that could get in the wrong hands. So I get it. I get it. You 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 can prevent it that way if you're Nick Saban. But I'm also saying, good, look, that's what we do. I'm a college broadcaster. I need a roster. A roster really helps us present your product the best of our ability. So I'm really on the fence on both sides. I'm like you, Larry. I think it's more of a story and something to type, read, write, and blog, video, all of them above, tweet, TikTok, all of them. <laughs> Got to cover them all, right? Uh, I, I do. I just think it's more of a drama played out, a script, for lack of a better term, because I just can't believe this is happening. I, I personally think you – we all know – Look, I, I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow. I think he's the most talented guy. Buckner, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out there and starts simply because of the Tommy Reese-Notre Dame connection. But really, it's Alabama. You know as a broadcaster you can get a good depth chart just from a simple Google search, and you can pretty much go. So I'm really on the fence. I can't answer the question. Is is the long answer, and I and I hate to tell that to you, listeners, but I'm really on the fence because of what just happened at Alabama with the baseball program, and what's happening in Iowa and Iowa State. You have a great point of look what happens if that information gets out there too early. Maybe we have a graduate assistant or one of these young guns that jumps the gun and says, "Oh, I know, so and so can't play, so I'm going to go place a bet against Alabama." And the point spread or whatever it is. So I'm on the fence here. I I do think it's a fun story to talk about. And I I think, uh, again, Nick Saban's trying to do a victim thing. But I I see where he's coming from. And I also see where broadcasters like myself and Tim Brando are coming from. So I really can't answer the question. I'm really on the fence because I think it's just hilarious overall. And I don't think it's that big of a deal, really. Does that make sense? (laughs) Sure. What's that? So what do you think about it? The the Nick Saban and not giving a depth chart. Give your two cents. If you don't have it, we can move on. No, it's a it, to me it's a publicity stunt because um, all of a sudden nobody's talking about uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State or LSU or Texas A and M. Now they're all talking about Alabama again, and that's just what he wants. Not not a bad take. I like it. 
guys, we're having fun. If you like the content, please like, subscribe, search ATL Prime Sports, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or X, and of course, Apple and Spotify. I'm still going to call it Twitter until I get used to that X part. Uh, let's go with uh, last year, TCU shocked the college football world and went all the way to the college football playoff finals. Who's this year's dark horses? Look, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll start this one off. There's 36 total bids in the history of the college football playoff. Only 14 schools have gotten them. Just a little fun fact. Here are a few dark horses. And these are dark, dark horses. This isn't okay. your average. The only one I threw in there that's, that's really not a dark horse is FSU, but because of their recent uh, lack of history, therefore, that's why I put them back in the this and the first category kind of go together. I think Florida State could make that jump all the way back to prominence, get back into the college football playoffs this year. Mike Norvell has his best team since he's arrived in Tallahassee. Fellas, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Senior quarterback Jordan Travis is back, threw for 3,200 yards. Uh, what, 24 touchdowns last season. It was really accurate with the football, only five interceptions. And he added over 400 yards rushing with his legs. I expect that number to add 100 to that. Maybe they let him get out outside the pocket more, extend plays because he's able to do it, throw off the run. But I think Norvell's going to do things in the ACC that that hasn't been done at Florida State since Jimbo was there and Jameis Winston was there winning Heisman's and they had an SEC style roster on the defensive front seven and the offensive line. Look, six foot seven wide receiver Johnny Wilson's back. He had nearly a thousand yards, uh, 897 to be exact, five scores last year. So this is a talented team and Florida State fans want it. They're hungry. Uh, Dope Campbell Stadium is one of the most electric atmospheres in college football when they're chopping it up here, as we all know how electric the Tomahawk Chop can be. I like Florida State. I think they're a dark horse to win the whole thing. Uh, Kansas State's another one for me. They won the Big 12 last year, fellas. They returned quarterback Will Howard and all five offensive linemen. That's huge, which includes an All-American and Cooper Bebe. Uh, Florida State transfer running back Tayshawn Ward's there as well. Chris uh, 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 Lyman, excuse me, will look to build on last year's success. Uh, excuse me, Kleiman, head coach, is going to look to build on last year's success. Take it from North Dakota State to Kansas State. He's a conference champion at the Power Five level. He's a national champion at the FBS, uh, FCS level. I really think that uh, he's a really, really under uh underrated head coach at the fbs group of five, power five level and my third dark horse guys the utah utes and i wouldn't have him necessarily as a dark horse if cam rising was healthy but cam rising isn't 100 percent healthy we don't even know if he's playing tomorrow against the florida gators which is a huge game for utah but i think utah is a dark horse um i i like their speed I like their physicality and their defensive front seven. And I, I like Cam Rising when he's healthy. And if he's healthy for that Pac-12 slate, they could afford to honestly lose this game close to Florida and go 11-1, and one, and maybe they can squeak into the backside of the playoffs. So I like Utah, Florida State, and Kansas State as my three dark horses. Larry, what say you, buddy? 
man, you took two of my three in Utah and Kansas State, and and for the reasons you mentioned, and I'll even throw another one if my mind serves me correctly. The only, uh, Kansas State lost to TCU in overtime in that that game in the I think it was at the Big Twelve uh, championship game. If yep. my mind serves me correctly, so because of that, and they're returning so many people. No, I, I'm like, dude, that's that was a gimme. Uh, Utah, same reasons. I mean, you you explained it perfectly. I think to me, they're the biggest threat to USC in 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 the Pac-12. Uh, my whole overall thought process when it came to dark horses, I said it got to be for me the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC because everybody knows at least two, if not three, teams from the SEC or the Big Ten are going to qualify for the college football playoff. So. Who's that other spot going to belong to? And Florida State has the easiest path because we don't know, and you and you mentioned it and prefaced it at the beginning of the show, we really just don't know the Clemson team that's going to show up here now with a new QB, with DJ, we, I'm just going to call him DJU, I ain't going to try to chop his name up, but with DJU transferring over to Oregon State, what kind of team Dabo's going to have at, at Clemson? But talent-wise, Florida State's loaded. And I'm talking about on both sides of the football. So that gives them an easy track. Now, it's, as an athlete, you know, you know, any given Saturday, anything can happen because we all are too familiar with Appalachian State in Michigan. You know? yeah. So anything can happen on any given Saturday. But for me, ACC-wise, they have the easiest track. Pac-12-wise, the only other dark horse I might want to throw in there is Oregon. And I hate to use them as a dark horse. Yeah, you know they're they're ranked as high as they are, but a Dan Lanning defense can get you somewhere. Even though he's the head coach, you know he is doing everything known to man to get that defense right. And for the reasons you stated earlier, JJ, most Pac-12 teams cannot stop anybody. So if you get one that can, you've got a puncher's chance in any game that you face. And that's what Utah's got. And 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 that's what exactly why I said Utah's got that as well. Um, it's going to be interesting, but if I had to give you my three that I that I that I just firmly believe in, because I don't really consider Florida State a dark horse, Oregon, Utah, Kansas State. I like it. I like it. Wayne, you got three for us, or a couple, or one, or any? Yeah, no, these are going to be by most people's standards dark horses, but to me they're not. Uh, but I'm going to list them as my dark horse anyway, and that's uh, Washington, Miami, and South Carolina. No, I, I like Washington. You mentioned them earlier. Uh, back to prominence. They can also be a dark horse. South Carolina do, does it with special teams in Beamer Ball. They have an athletic quarterback who can throw it all over the yard. And look, the way South Carolina ended the season last year with the two huge wins against their arguably uh, some of their biggest rivals in Tennessee and Clemson yeah. was absolutely eye-opening. Nobody saw that coming, and they did it. So building momentum is easy to do. You get a big win early in the season. They play Georgia any any given Saturday, you know, and, and if they if they can use that momentum, look, they beat, a, they beat a Georgia team that wasn't expecting in 2019. A missed field goal away, and, and you know, they beat them early, and season turned around and went, went bad for them. But – Hey, an early big win against Georgia. If obviously it's a long shot, if they pull it off, that that's a great pick, Wayne. I, I do. I like those dark horses. That's what a dark horse is. 
you really used the term correctly there. I like it. I kind of went lame with, with Florida State, but I kind of did it because of their recent lack of history and uh, Norvell being the Memphis connection. I thought yeah. you'd kind of like that, Wayne. Well, of course, <laughs> yeah, but but I, I wish you was still here instead of uh, down there. But Absolutely. Well, guys, the gauntlet has started. Larry, get ready. It's pick six time. Atlanta Prime Sports presents its third annual pick six. We pick six football games for the upcoming week. Lines, spreads are from Monday for Caesars Sportsbook. Let's kick it off. Spray the champagne. Whatever you want to do, baby, it's on. The pick six, the best part of the season, Florida at Utah, number 14 in the country. Utah is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-unders in there for pointless information, but it is information. It's set at 46. Larry, you get the honors the entire time for the first pick six of your life. Who you got, man? Thursday, 8 p.m. on ESPN, Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City, Utah. What you got? Utah covers easily. This is not easily. even easily. Easily. I think they're going to cover easily. Um, but I do think I'm gonna take the over in the points. I think it's going to be back and forth. But oh, you don't gotta pick the over. It's just for fun. We just we just yeah, have yeah. it in there for information. Yeah, but I, I yeah, Utah covers and it's and it's not even close. But I like the over statement because I like to do it too, because it's fun to tell our listeners what to maybe bet on if our listeners are indeed betting. When <laughs> what say you, buddy? Well, I'm going to have to take uh, Utah to cover as well. Uh, I just don't think Florida's quite ready yet. Man, eh, I, I I talk up Utah the whole time, and and I'm I'm going with the Gators. <laughs> Look, Florida's two and zero versus Utah. Florida's never won back to back season openers versus ranked opponents. They got an opportunity to do that. I don't think Florida's going to win the game, but I don't like the hook. I don't like that half point. And we're playing with the spreads because it's easy to pick a winner because I think we all think Utah is going to win the game. And that's why we have fun with the point spreads. But look, and here's the key. It's The key is here, our quarterback play. It's Cam Rising coming off an ACL injury in the Rose Bowl. Will he even play? And Florida quarterback Graham Mertz brings experience to Gainesville from Wisconsin. But it's it's about all you know. He's been a very average quarterback. He's never had the ability to throw the ball deep like he will in Napier's offense down here. If Rising can't go, I assume it's going to be Bryson Barnes, who did replace Rising in the Rose Bowl through, uh, for over 100 yards in that game, had a touchdown. I'm taking Florida on the points. And the only reason why is because the question mark next to Cam Rising. If... Now, that, that's my inked pick. If Cam Rising plays and they win by seven points, I'm just going to go. But, hey, that's what you get. Todd's also taking Florida in the points simply for the same reasons he mentioned to me. So let's go game two. Louisville and Georgia Tech at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in Atlanta, Georgia. Louisville is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under in that one's 49.5. And, Larry, may you do the honors. Well, sir, I'm gladly thanking you for allowing me to be able to take said honors. And in a stunning, stunning upset, I am going to take those stinking fighting yellow jackets to cover the spread only because they're playing in Atlanta. And usually for some strange reason, 
when they play in these special games, you remember the game they played? Uh, I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before they played against North Carolina. And they I was there. They, they upset them. Yeah, and, and it seems like every time that they play in, like, these Chick-fil-A kickoff games that they come out of, I don't know, like, like if it's Heisman is coaching them and they're thinking they're playing in 1920 again and putting up 200 and some odd points against Cumberland College, but they seem to always come out. And I just believe the Brent Key is going to have that. I just believe they're going to have the Yellow Jackets ready to play. I don't think they're going to win, but I do think they're going to cover. And I do think you take the under in this game as well. I like it. I like it. Wayne, what say you, buddy? Well, I'm taking uh, Georgia Tech on the points as well. Uh, you know, didn't they open up uh, last year against uh, Florida State and beat them? Was that, or was that somebody else that beat Florida State? Uh, no, it was LSU that uh, okay. LSU but, uh, lost to Florida State. Florida State beat LSU last year. I'm still picking Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, partly because they're playing at home, but mostly because I cannot stand Louisville. Uh, I'm a Memphis fan, and Memphis and Louisville have a bad history, and I can't uh, pick them ever. Good team there, Wayne. Got to give them credit where credit's due, bro. I, I like it. Guys, I, I'm going with the pesky jackets and the points as well, and, 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 and here's why. I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you a couple good reasons. Uh, look, Brent Key's first game as a non-interim head coach, Coach Brom's first game back in a Louisville uniform since he was a quarterback there at the school. Georgia Tech has to improve its O-line play this year. Last year, the Jackets were the worst O-line in the ACC in terms of tackles for loss allowed. But here's the reason why I'm going with Tech. Brent T is a Georgia Tech guy. He took a team with a terrible roster and immediately beat UNC uh, and Virginia Tech and got people going, wow, we can do this thing. And he was within one win of bowl eligibility as an intern head coach. I think with a full offseason, 16 players were added to Georgia Tech via the transfer portal, including former Georgia wide receiver Dominique Blaylock, Christian Leary from Alabama, and Treblon Hooley from Louisville. So you don't think he's ready to go against his former school? I think he will be. I think Georgia Tech will be ready to go. I think they're going to play a better brand of football. Jeff Collins had to be the scapegoat. He brought players in, turned it from a triple option to a to a spread style offense where you can score through the air. And now Brent Key's going to take over and take the keys and build this program up in a hotbed that it's in. I like Georgia Tech and the points. Tennis uh, TC is taking Louisville to cover. Um, as we all know why he thinks Georgia Tech is awful. Uh, game number three, probably arguably the biggest game of the weekend, Colorado at number 17, TCU. TCU is a 21-point favorite. The over-under in that one's 59-and-a-half. Larry, what say you, buddy? I'm taking TCU to cover the points, and only because Coach Prime doesn't have the depth that he needs to be able to cover. His ones can probably match up with TCU's ones, but then when you start getting to the twos and the threes, the sub during the, the, the duration of a contest, that's when you're going to see that the contest is going to come down to the Jimmys and the Joes and not the X's and the O's. Um, Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders are going to be able to compete with most anybody in, 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 that, in that spectrum, but TCU is still going to be TCU. I think they're going to cover. Um, 
but I'm taking the under in the points. But I do think that they're going to cover. Wayne, what say you, buddy? Well, I'm taking Colorado in the points uh, for two reasons. Uh, because it's prime time, and prime time starts early in Colorado. And if Deion Sanders can have his defense keep TCU from scoring, I think that is going to be the key. And again, it's going to be all defense on Colorado's side. I like it. I like it. I am taking the Horn Frogs. What do they do? This? This, this one right here. This? No. Uh, Saturday noon on Fox, Coach Prime's debut as a FBS head coach, Power Five head coach. I'm taking TCU and the cover as well. I think it's a smart play. Um, I, I forget the quarterback's name. He won the job, got hurt, and then Doug and Tech uh, took over and went all the way to the national title. Sonny you know, Dykes is a don't, great head don't, coach. Say again. You know they're still they're giving them three touchdowns. Yeah, three think, touchdowns. Think Twenty-one points. I, I think the 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 big key here is. Again, the familiarity at the quarterback position with the Horn Frogs. Sonny Dykes is back in year two, and I, I think he'll have a little mojo going uh, into this game. And look, Colorado lost a lot of players to the transfer portal. Coach Prime said, hey, if y'all don't want to compete like this, get out. And they did. And a mass exodus and 50-plus players left. And that's hard to replace. Larry, you made a great point. I think the depth of the ones will compete. But once you get back to that, hey, we got to get a breather. We need it. We need two or three plays off. TCU will gash them, and I think that it, it'll probably be about a thirty-five to seven job. And uh, TCU will cover those points. Fourth game: Virginia, Tennessee, and also uh, TC is taking TCU as well. So uh, three covers and one dog. Uh, Virginia, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is ranked. I forgot to put their ranking in there. They're 28 point favorites. The game is being played in Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, Saturday noon on ABC. Larry, what say you, buddy? Man, I hate these super huge spreads, four and five touchdown spreads. I hate, I hate, I hate only because anything can happen. But this is Tennessee. And I do believe because it's number one, it's Tennessee and they are ranked 12th. And they're playing in Nashville, in Nash Vegas, in front of a big, I mean, it ain't as big as Neyland Stadium crowd, but Tennessee is chomping at the bit. They're probably still trying to dig up the doggone field goal post out of the Tennessee River from the Alabama game. <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, man, Tennessee is is just, they're just overmatched and overpowering Virginia. All that being said, man, I'm still going to take Tennessee to cover. I don't know why, because in my head, I'm like, I think they're going to beat them like 49 to 14 is what I think the score is going to be. So um, I'm taking Tennessee. I'll say long story short, I'm taking Tennessee to cover. Wayne, what say you, buddy? Well, you know, they, they have this saying up in Virginia that Virginia is for lovers, but uh, Tennessee is for football. And uh, I'm taking Tennessee to cover on this one, even though it's more than three touchdowns, I know. But wow. uh, I just, Wayne, I had brought you in for Virginia, no doubt about it. Really? Well. Yeah, I, I did not think you were going to go with that big of a spread. You never go that high on me. I know, but this, one, this one's this – one's, this, I like it. This one's special. <laughs> I like it. Oh, he's got the Tennessee hat on. I like it. Yeah. I like it. 
Um, Todd took Tennessee to cover as well. I'm taking Tennessee to cover as well. Uh, look, I mentioned Joe Milton earlier in the show. The guy's great. Joe Milton III played extremely well versus Clemson in the bowl game last year. 251 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Looked really good. Had, had about 11 carries. Didn't Wasn't that effective on the ground, but he still had 11 carries. 10 touchdowns in total last season. Filled in very well when Hooker went down. They're chomping at the bit. They're chomping at the bit. Local connection, though. Local connection. Virginia does have a local connection in this game. Uh, wide receiver Malik Washington and running back Cody Brown both went to Parkview High School. So they're still toting the orange and blue. But I'm going with Tennessee. Uh, it's a lot of orange in that stadium. You won't be able to tell who's who at times. But uh, once the crowd thins out because it's 49 to nothing. And and look, I, I, I don't want to bring this off, but, but Virginia is still reeling from a tragedy where they lost three players in an on-campus shooting last year. Our prayers are with those families. Our thoughts are with those families. And remember, Tony Elliott, head coach of Virginia, they, they didn't play the last two games. So they're going to be chomping at the bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they covered. It's going to be an emotional day for the Virginia Cavaliers and their fans and football program. So that'll be an interesting game to watch. Uh, thoughts and prayers are with the Virginia players this weekend as they get back into it. Uh, our fifth game on the slate, West Virginia, Penn State. And I don't know if I said it again, uh, TC is picking Tennessee to cover. West Virginia at Penn State, number seven. Penn State's 20 and a half point favorites. The over-under in that one is 50 and a hook. That's Saturday night, 7.30 on NBC. Larry, do the honors, buddy. Simple and easy. Penn State all the way. This won't even be – they could probably have done a 35-and-a-half point spread on this. Oh, man. This is going to be a beatdown of epic proportions, and it won't even be close. Many lines all the way. This is a simple one, and I won't even tell you why. Just trust me when I tell you. They're going to beat the brakes <laughs> off of West Virginia. <laughs> Wayne, what you got, buddy? Well, before I make my pick, I'm going to have to get this hat off before I get infected. And let's see, I'm going to take Penn State in this. And as a side note, uh, I've actually got Penn State in the final four. Ooh. Penn State. Wayne's oh, yeah, yes. throwing curveballs. He, he, he stopped <laughs> doing it at the end of last year. He stopped worrying about point spreads and just going with his gut. I'm taking Penn State, the Nittany Lions as well. Look, it's in Happy Valley. They're really good in openers. James Franklin's going to have his team ready to play. Joey Porter Jr.'s there. They got returning talent all over the place. And, uh, look, Penn State plays well in home openers. They just do. Go look at the history of it. I don't know why, but they are on fire when they open up at home. They're going to probably wipe the place out for the home opener. It'll be electric. And, uh, yeah, Penn State big. Penn State is the same thing. Penn State playing anybody at home is tough. Very. Two oh, places man. that I would never want to play at night, and that's Penn State in Happy Valley and LSU in Death Valley. Those are two places I never want to play at night. Right. Absolutely. Our sixth and final game of the night, big rivalry, number 21, North Carolina versus South Carolina. North Carolina is a two-and-a-half point favorite over under in this one's very high, 64-and-a-half. Game being played in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, Saturday night, 7.30 on ABC. Larry, what say you? 
Rock Chalk Gamecock. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up off the top of my head. I'm just being funny. But no, this is this is South Carolina's game to lose, man. It really is. And Shane Beamer has built so much in his, his short tenure there, man. And and to go into an atmosphere like that, first game, state rivals, get in where you fit in, and you've got the opportunity to show that last season and the momentum that you built was not a phony. You can upset the number 21 team in the country in North Carolina. Go handle business. I do expect him. I think this is going to be like a either one-point game or a three-point game. And I just believe South Carolina is not only going to cover, but I think they're going to win. Shock the world. Shock the world. Upset special, baby. Bank on it. I like it. Wayne, what say you? Man, you know I have to pick South Carolina. Uh, I figured you were going with the Cox. Yeah, well, they're gonna they're gonna win that game and sneak back across the border and celebrate. Man, Todd's picking South Carolina. Now yeah. I want to go pick North Carolina Don't just because everybody went with South Carolina. <laughs> but I'm going with the Gamecocks too. I think they're gonna have a special season. It started out their special season started out last year with Shane Beamer dumping his uh, you know face. Or oh, that was a couple years ago. Uh, Mayo all over him, running around in it. Now it's a tradition, and he started it out. Look, I like Shane Beamer. I like Spencer Rattler. I like the playmaker, Bell, on the outside. I think they're going to be a pretty good defensive unit as well. I like Shane Beamer. I'm going to go Carolina in the points. That wraps up our pick six. Larry, you can take a breath. You're off the hot seat for the week. Let's get to our final thoughts, fellas, and let's get out of here. Um, my final thoughts, nice and easy. Remember, folks, HBCU Go, the home for all 107 HBCUs from the SWAC to the SIAC. Download the HBCU Go app or contact your cable provider and ask, how do I get HBCU Go? And they will tell you what channel it will come on through your cable subscription, and you will get five free football games, including the Chicago football and the Southern Heritage classic can't wait to see what hbcu do, go does for college football larry what's your final thought man simple and easy a part a and part b real quick um took on a job as the public address announcer for the clark atlanta panthers so we'll be doing that right. so I hope you get a chance to see tc and jj at one of their upcoming games here this season um so excited about that congrats My, man yeah looking forward to seeing some things out there and 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 Clark Atlanta University and my B thought to that on the on the flip side is baseball. I don't care where you are, what game you're watching. We saw something that could have been crazy and could have been could have been a whole lot worse than what it ended up being when we saw the fans run out to attack Ronald Acuna Jr. It took way too long for Coorsfield security to get to him because Agreed. of their bad intentions they could have that could have been a real tragic incident luckily they was just fans who wanted to love on them and take pictures but fans were there to watch world class athletes watch the game stay in the stands leave the athletes alone there's times you can schedule to get pictures and most of them will work with you so that you can get pictures or autographs with those athletes. You do not have to do what those two and almost three people did there in Denver, Colorado. Stay safe and stay smart.
Well said. I agree 100%. Wayne, your final thought for the evening, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm going to quote my father and my grandfather, and this is my final thought. Football, football, football game. That's it. I love it. Now, that is a final thought, fellas. For Larry in Adairsville, for Wayne in Memphis, I'm J.J. Jurjevich. Todd Quarter was absent this evening. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the weekend of college football. It's here, folks. Five straight days of college football. Enjoy. And as always, get you one. Tuesday show next week, so stay tuned on social media. Y'all have a good weekend and a happy, safe Labor Day.